Well, hello, Boston friends. I'm Chaz Wagner, and I'd like to introduce to you the very first installment of the Pierogies and Pourovers podcast. Huh? What is that? Well, let me tell you what the Triple P is all about. Uh, it's pretty simple. We're here to cover the the food, booze, and coffee culture and uh, scene here in, in the Boston and even kind of New England area. So much cool stuff going on. So many interesting people out there um, launching coffee shops, uh, pop, you know, food trucks, pop-up shops, you name it, uh, you know, at farmer's markets, um, even, you know, food mobile apps and, and websites and companies in food tech. So on here, I'm going to talk to those people, um, share their stories, and um, hopefully build build a, an even better community in Boston. Um, the first first set of people I sat down with were uh, from Triangle Coffee, um, Ottavio Siani and Annie Groff. Um, they are located, or they got their start inside of Brooklyn Boulders out in Summer. That's where I talked to them. Um, they're now in City Hall Plaza with a little coffee bar. Really cool setups that they have. You'll learn all about. And they are set to launch uh, and set up an, a third location over in the Innovation Design Building. And you'll find, uh, if you haven't been there, that's over in uh, the Seaport uh, area on, on Dry Dock Ave. Uh, I hope you enjoy listening, you know, to to the conversation as much as much as I enjoyed talking with them, and and I enjoyed the the delicious New Orleans iced coffee that that Annie served me. And if you're if you've never had one, it's it's from Blue Bottle, which is the roaster that they use. Um, that's located in San Francisco, and it's this delicious. Um, you know, it has chicory, and the milk that they use is fantastic. It all all comes together into um, somewhat like a dessert, but uh, not not enough where it's going to weigh you down and feel like you, you need to take a nap. Um, but, uh, you know, here it is, the first installment. Um, let's, let's kick things off. Thanks for listening. Yeah, so you and Ben, yeah. yeah. We work together at uh, Root Capital. Mm-hmm. Um, Root Capital is based in Cambridge. Okay. Um, I worked there for about five years. Ben is now. How long has Ben been working at Root now? Like two years. Two years. And he's still there. He's still there. Got it. Okay. So he works full time. Yeah. He was actually just speaking um, yesterday or the day before. Yesterday. He was there at the Clinton Global Initiative yesterday. Cool. So he was speaking on behalf of Root, the Clinton Global Initiative yesterday. Oh um, wow. Yeah, he's like pretty much the head of the investor relations department okay. at Root. Um, so, so yeah, so we were, um, we actually had met years earlier at a coffee conference in El Salvador. Oh yeah? Okay. Um, it was called Let's Talk Coffee. It's organized by this, um, company called Sustainable Harvest out in Portland. It's a big okay. partner of Wood Capitals and they started this conference almost kind of as a reaction to the, I don't know how much you know. How, like how into the coffee industry you are? But I, uh, yeah, you heard of SCAA? This is, uh, yeah, okay. It's so going on in right Seattle. Now. It's yeah, going, it's going on in a week, or a couple weeks. And it was in Boston. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's like 
very Western industry focused. Now producers, like the bigger farms, will send representatives to try to sell coffee. Yeah. But it's very much focused on cafe owners, like buyers. You know, Starbucks has a presence. Green Mountain has a big American and European companies. Not developing countries and. Yeah, so if you're the head of a cooperative in Peru, yep. it's kind of hard for you to get up to Seattle. Right? Totally. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, there's this conference called Let's Talk Coffee, which is it's always at Origin, okay. um, and it brings really kind of like roasters, cafe owners, industry people from everyone, the whole north and south a little bit. Cool. Typically in Latin America, and it's like very producer heavy, very focused on issues that are happening on the kind of production side. Got it. Okay. Anyway, we met at that conference. Cool. And then, um, how far back was that? This is like, man, it's like three years before he started working at Roots. Five years ago, four or five years ago. Okay. Okay. And we kind of stayed in touch a little bit. Tried to, you know talked about him coming to, to Root. Okay. Um, oh, it, was, it was first to get you recruiting him to come Yeah, there. exactly, because okay. he was working at Fair Trade USA at the time. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, so then he came over, um, got hired by Root, um, and we really kind of came up with this idea and hit it off over this trip that we took to Indonesia, looking mm-hmm. at uh, Root's potential, like, market expansion. Okay. And you are the big, you were... Coffee was one of your big... Yeah, so Root Capital lends money to agricultural producers all over the world, um, mainly coffee producers. Okay. It's about 80% of the, oh, wow. the lending. That so was the bulk of your yeah, totally. so business that, trips. Yeah, got it. Exactly. And so for me, at, at that time, really, so I was, I was working for Root trying to figure out whether we should expand into Indonesia, and the idea was at the time that I would kind of lead that expansion and move mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of realizing that I'd already spent a number of years like traveling mm-hmm. um, and just realized that I didn't want to be kind of on the road all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, yeah. like, that, and I lived here and didn't really know that much about, I mean, I mm-hmm. uh, just like wanted to be more connected to my local community yeah, yeah, yeah. and wanted to stay in the coffee industry and Ben obviously he at Fair Trade was working heavily in coffee and then at Root more and mm-hmm. we kind of just connected over our passion for the coffee industry gotcha. and, you know talked a lot about how Boston you know when you go to New York or Portland yeah. or LA there's, en- there's or, energy and yeah there's yeah, and there's so many new kind of like coffee shops mm-hmm. and all, all sorts of great coffee everywhere and that we felt you know Boston there's, there's some there's spots missing. but you got to kind of seek it out and it's yep. not it's not nearly as ubiquitous as it could be. And totally. Um, so what? It, it more in, in more specific on that, like what did you guys see as the missing piece, um, or the or the opportunity? Like what did what was Boston lacking? It's just like, like especially you know high end like Blue Bottle is really high quality coffee. Yeah, yeah, I mean I think like there are definitely there are shops in Boston that do specialty like third wave coffee, um, but. You know, if you're in Central Square, like, yeah. and you want to get, you know, yeah. a, a great cup of coffee, like, it's hard. It's got, yeah. yeah. And you got dwell time, but it's a little off the beaten right, track. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I would say maybe things that are more strictly coffee focused. We don't really, yeah, there's that's a lot a great of places way to put it. like, like Cafe Luna, you can get Blue Bottle, but you're going for brunch or you're, totally. yeah, yeah. yeah, got it. And I would say even, it's really our bread and butter. Yeah. Okay. 
like even I think even dwell time to a certain extent. Um, you know, they have like really uh, an intense brunch service on the weekends, mm-hmm. and I mean, dwell time is not the best example of that, but because they they do have a pretty heavy coffee focus, but it's not in the same way as like a blue bottle where you walk in and they have it's like yeah. first of all it's blue bottle coffee, right? 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 It's in the name. The coffee's in the name. Yeah. And then you walk in and they have great pastries, but they have like four pastries. Yep. Yep. Right, and it's like clearly there to be paired with the coffee. Mm-hmm. It's not like coffee first. Yeah, exactly. That's second. Okay. Um, and I think you know our menu reflects that. We have two types of tea, so it's like we are not mm-hmm. the spot for you to come if you're a tea connoisseur. Yeah. Um, we really like both of our teas, and yep. ideally, like the idea is, you know, you might not. You if you're in a group. Everybody might not be into coffee, but we right. still want to have options for yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, we like tea too. It's yeah. not like we're anti anything else, but just make sure that the focus is is coffee. Coffee, yeah. Gotcha. And I think like this scale here and the scale that we'll have at the Innovation Design important. Center will lend itself to that kind of focus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being kind of in a smaller space, you have to make a lot of decisions mm-hmm. on a lot of things that you won't carry. Right. You just don't have the space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, definitely, and when we make all of those decisions, we're thinking, like, primarily about, like, how it affects our shopping service, not... Yeah. Um, it's quality or quantity, you're not yeah. going to have the same menu as uh, Flower or right. 1369, where they have, like, right. everything. Right, I mean, I think, like, I think Tate is a good example of somebody who's done this well, too, where they have coffee, right? Uh-huh. But when you walk into Tate, your first... Pastry, yeah. exactly right. right, and and it it totally works for them because their pastry is mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, right? so right. it's like you walk, you, you're there for the pastry or for the food. You order that food, it co- you know, you order a coffee with it, and then yeah. the the food is what blows you away. Yeah, back, you know. Well, the um, smell is of great pastries. Like here, you want to smell great coffee beans. Yeah, but you can get pastry. Yeah, so I think I think that's that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, also because we, as we are currently, we can, you know, insert ourselves into an existing space and that mm-hmm. gives like that, that um, kind of flexibility, I guess, or at least, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? The option to like have something that's more customized, that's not mm. the word I want, but, so like here we have yeah. chocolate milk, that's actually something that mm-hmm. a lot of climbers are really into, okay. because it's a big, it's good like, post-workout yep. drink. Um, and That's what Tim Ferriss says, right? Yeah. Possibly, yeah. you know, we'll have something that appeals more to folks. Mm-hmm. We might have a couple things that are more, um, you know, that will change up for the people at the Design Center yeah. that will be more specific to that location and kind of help each spot have a little bit of an identity connection to where we are. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think... You know, in the design of this, the main thing that we have right there is just like the kind of landscape with the mountains on oh, the yeah. inside of these. Yeah, um, like you wouldn't, this wouldn't totally make sense. No. Seaport. No, so actually what Got we're it. doing at the seaport cool. is it's going to be a custom pegboard. Okay. But the pegboard is going to show the outline of like a boat hull. Nice. So it's like the top of yeah, the, the counter will be the water line. Cool. And we're in a shipping container, so we feel yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the reference. Very to, contextual. Yeah. Just the Oaxaca Mexican single origin. Okay, cool. So we normally have a blend and then a rotating single origin. That's good. It's better than yesterday. 
Um, and do you think you guys like getting off the ground because um, you're a brand new, um, you're a new branded company, latching yourselves to an existing space just helps the credibility and just to get rather than set up your own shop by yourself and start from scratch. That's that's pretty difficult. Definitely. I mean, I think here and at the Innovation Design Center, what's really nice is to have like a partner who's invested in your success mm -hmm. as well. Like, I think, well, you know, I mean, I know that Brooklyn Boulders feels this is additive to the environment yeah. that, that they're building. Here. Right. Um, and the innovation design is the same. Got it. Um, and so, you know, both our agreements with them financially and like just kind of like uh, as far as what we're allowed to do, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's always, the conversation is always like, how does this affect like, our shared customers and does it Good. make their experience better? Um, so, for example, at the Innovation Design Center, like our deal reflects the fact that we're not selling sandwiches and mm. a lot of kind of food items that a traditional cafe would sell, you know. And so they're they're not looking to extract as much money out of us as possible. Okay. They're basically, you know, have given us a deal that will allow us to be financially viable and sell a really limited limited food menu and really focus on. Okay. Because they want great coffee for yep. their tenants, they're not looking for an extra five hundred bucks a month or whatever you know, that they could get if we were had a full full. Well, oh, and um, the, you said that there's a ton of food trucks there, so like, right, those places can do the food really well, and you guys do the exactly, and, and that's like that's what's great about the Innovation Design Center, but here too is you know everybody's focuses on like the overall mm -hmm. experience rather than just I think in a more traditional like landlord, you know, less or leasey arrangement, mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit more transactional. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been great. I mean, I also think that like, it's a, it's a great like market for us here. A yeah. lot of like, it's the right demographic. Yeah. Um, you're a big climber, right? It's, it's... I, I haven't been doing much climbing. <laughs> um, I'm like definitely like in the past, outdoorsy you? for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, spent a lot of time in the outdoors. I've been having like some back issues and haven't okay. been climbing for a while. Um, doesn't help climbing. No, it does not. <laughs> um, and he's the big climber. <laughs> yeah? The tape recorder doesn't capture eye rolls. <laughs> there we go. Only audio. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, so uh, Annie was talking about your the blue bottle relationship and how you get going mm -hmm. with them. I know cool. with her uh, her background with them, but just more about why you guys picked them and was that part of your um, you know uniqueness and differentiate differentiation where it's hard to get blue bottle around. You can get blue bottle in Boston. Yeah, yeah. I mean that is definitely part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I d I knew blue bottle from. Spending a lot, I spent a lot of time in New York yeah. um, over the years and had just had it there. It's um, delicious. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. It's delicious and their branding and everything is amazing. Um, I agree. Yeah. So, and yeah, we, I mean, so actually when we came up with the idea for this, we, Ben and I were traveling with the head coffee buyers for Blue Bottle and Stumptown. Okay. And they actually, like, the seed of the idea was we're having this conversation with them. Um, Stephen Vick's the name of the buyer for Blue Bottle, and Darren, who's now I think with Allegro. Anyway, um, 
we were like, so guys, like, when are you coming to Boston? Right. And it was like a totally innocent question. It was because we wanted to drink Just their coffee in Boston. Yeah, it was from like from a personal standpoint. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, you yeah. should open up in Central Square. I live there. Like right. it'd be great if there was a blue bottle there. Yeah. Um, and both of them were like, yeah, we're never coming to Boston. Yeah. Like never come up in conversation. People huh. are afraid that it's a Dunkin' Donuts town. Like we're going to Japan. Yeah. You know. Which they, which they were right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in that moment, Ben and I were like, well, well, that seems like an opportunity. Like, yeah. how do they not want to come to Boston? Like, totally. there's, you know, it's a big city. There's tons of students. Like, yeah. it's the right demographic. It's totally. cold a lot of the year when people yeah. are drinking coffee. Like, so, so I think, you know, that that was kind of where the seed of the blue bottle idea came. It was like, yeah, there are no blue bottles here. There is no plans to have one. Like, we should sell blue bottles yeah. coffee in Boston. And we Andy was working on the blue bottle at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to, you know, to feel confident that we were going to be able to do that by yeah. talking to you. I mean, and also the, the, obvious, the obvious factors of it's insanely just like Delicious. the best coffee. Yeah. Some of the best coffee and what's in line with what's important to us personally is mm-hmm. knowing their, you know, sustainability practices and their kind of mm-hmm. sourcing. Um, yep. Yeah, all the coffee's organic. Yeah. What about you guys don't do, um, you don't make it very, um, I mean, you can see the bags here, but you don't make it that apparent that it is a blue bottle bean. Um, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is, um, their story is so great. Yeah. And about quality. Do you try and educate your customers about like, the roaster and about the background and about the farms, the beans, or is it more just like, here's the final product, trust us that it's, yeah. it's really good. Because well, I guess what I'm saying is, um, we could, we could leverage their brand more. Yeah, people, yeah. a lot of people don't know Blue Bottle in town because it's not that available and accessible. But um, uh, yeah, being I, I think Boston needs to be educated. Yeah. Uh, about the bottle, and you guys would be that. A good way to do it, yeah. I, I guess, like, part of it is, you know, we want definitely, like, to lead with our brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, another thing, I know when Andy was working as the wholesale distributor mm-hmm. for Blue Bottle, there were a lot of shops that would basically set up like fake blue bottles. Oh, really? So you walk in and just, it, the design, oh, the wow. signage, okay. and they, blue bottle would have to be like, guys, like, you can't, yeah. you need to make sure that oh, yeah, yeah. you're serving our coffee, but you're a cafe, you're an independent cafe. Yeah. Got it. Um, okay, and you. But I would say, you know, hmm. really, it's less, less all of that and more like, I, I like the way that we do it now because there are people who like know Blue Bottle and are excited about it when they see that we have it. Yeah. But I think that's a, a, a fairly small percentage. Yeah. And like I don't like. I don't know. I feel like there's like a lot of pretension. Yeah. Right. You know. I don't, yeah. I don't want to like beat people over the head with the story. And yeah. When they when they come in to, to just yeah. get a cup of coffee. Um, you know, you can kind of like tell the people who want to engage yeah. on that. They want to learn more. They want to talk more. Yeah. And so we 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 have the we actually usually have those bags here on the counter, and that's a, that's actually interesting because now it'll be le- even less obvious. That yeah. Sure. Oh. Huh. Um, 
But yeah, like give the opportunity to have that conversation. But if somebody wants to come up and just order a coffee, then yep. don't put, don't force it upon them. Cool. I respect that. Um, um, decided on this this place. Uh, was it you reaching out to Brooklyn Boulders? Was it mutual? Was it a give and take? How did how did that whole process come to be? Of like ending, ending up right up here. here where we are right now. Like kind of everything, like our location at the Innovation Design Center that's coming up, and it's just like all through friends and friends of friends. And yep. So I <laughs> um, became a really close friend of mine. We spent a lot of time together. Um, he worked at Wellington, a big asset management firm that has headquarters in, in Boston. Okay. Um, with Jeremy Balboni, who started Brooklyn Boulder, okay. um, one of the founders. And when I was talking about this idea to Alvaro, he was like, you know, maybe you should reach out to Jeremy. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I actually then like came in here, checked this out, and was like doing some Googling and stuff online about Brooklyn Boulders and saw the, these images where it was like the biscuit coming soon, yeah. and then there was no biscuit in here. So oh, I, you mean the biscuit around yeah. down the street? Oh, wow. So I asked Jeremy, you know, I like he, you know, we set up a meeting and he was like, yeah, we tried to make that happen and it like fell apart for whatever reason. So we're still trying to figure out like yeah. how to do coffee in here. And I was right. like, well, <laughs> yeah, I like that answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of how it came. That's how it came to be. Okay. Just, and, and, you know, what was, in, I think, like in starting a company, the first somebody give me your first kind of look first chance yeah, yeah, yeah. hardest because Need at that, that point break. I'm just like a guy mm-hmm. with an idea right and no like you know yeah. no I haven't worked in coffee yeah. shops mm-hmm. before like no I've never managed inventory or anything yeah. you know so it's kind of a you learn a big risk learn on the take on a, on yeah. a really startup business um, but they were through it all just like totally supportive, supportive. And, yeah yeah that's awesome. Is Jeremy, is he uh, based in Brooklyn or is he up here? He's, he, he's up here. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I haven't seen him walking around at all today, but he's, he's in and out of the city a lot. I mean, they're, they've expanded to Chicago and they're working on a, on a fourth location, so Jeremy's travels. I just got the email the other night. Um, they're open up in Philly. It got me too. I saw it. I was like, oh, Philly, it seems like a natural extension. I don't know. How about that? Um, I saw him in the supermarket and I was like, congratulations, Jerry. It was like, what? Yeah. 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 That's funny. Um, really, your last answer, um, I mean, you weren't totally new to the coffee game because you were, you had been traveling all over the world um, to these farms. So, um, related, <clears throat> related to that, um, where are your favorite um you know, beans and where coffee, you know, Ethiopian, is it um, mm-hmm. Kenyan, what the, what kind of roast and profiles do you, do you like? I, my, my favorite, I think my favorite coffee is, I mean, this is like the Kenyan coffee, the, the Kenyan okay. coffees are like really, they're just really unique. I mean, I don't know if I want to drink Kenyan like every day. I think uh-huh. if I had to choose like one coffee to drink for the rest of my life, okay, it would probably be a Guatemalan coffee. It's okay. Just like it's rich. Go to you can okay yeah. But what if it's like just give me your last cup of coffee? Kenyan coffee for sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Got it. Just like 
amazing flavor. It's a little bit more like, how would you describe Kenyan coffee? It's like almost like vegetal. How would I describe what? Kenyan coffee. Um, I guess just like high, like very, very bright. Yeah. Very, it's, I mean, a lot of fruit acidity. Yeah. To yep. It. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're delicious. What's your favorite? I don't. I I think. Uh, or they, 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 you can answer it with. If you have to drink the same cup day after day, what would you go with? And if you could only have one cup of your last cup of coffee, what would? <laughs> yeah, you? I, don't, I guess I would. I <clears throat> every day would probably be. It would probably be in like an Ethiopian. Yeah. Like a little citrus, jasmine, lighter bodied, more delicate yeah. coffee that I would drink out of like a beautifully made glass mug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and if I was, my last cup of coffee might be like, I don't know, it's kind of fun to throw in like a, like a natural processed, something huh. with like a lot of crazy fruits. A lot of, sh- a lot of a stuff lot, going on. Yeah, yeah, a lot of really, something that when you grind it, you smell like blueberries and fruits. Yeah. And uh-huh. it's very intense and yeah. tasty, but I might not, I might want, I might not want to have that. You don't want that every day. Nice. I think uh, Jurgen Chef would be my, uh, yeah. my go-to. Yeah. yeah, or is my go-to. Um, Cole, any any like um, really memorable stories from from being on uh, coffee farms or just stuff that sticks out in your your memory? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> a lot, man. Um, <laughs> the stories are a little bit. So I think one of the things that's funny about the coffee industry is like they paint, you know, I mean, you see a lot of, you go in a lot of cafes and you see pictures of just like the happiest farmers in the world. <laughs> yeah. And you just like feel so great about buying a cup of coffee because of the smiling farmer. But wall. that's not I mean, the end story. Yeah, I mean, being, for the, for the most part, being a coffee farmer sucks. Yeah. Like, you're very poor, you're living in a rural area. Coffee is not your primary source of income. It's your uh, primary source of cash, which you need to pay school fees. And there are things that you need cash for, mm-hmm. but it's usually less productive to farm coffee than it is to subsistence farm. Yeah. Like, huh. once you have the amount of cash that you need, oftentimes coffee farmers mm-hmm. will just stop picking coffee and go back to, even though there's like coffee sitting there on the trees. Yeah. Huh. Coffee farmers who've able to who've been able to kind of differentiate their coffee from neighbor's coffee because it's higher quality it's not yeah. so much the case uh, that's one of the things that I really like about the third wave coffee industry is that you yeah. know, buying high quality coffee that Blue Bottle is is, is um, you know sourcing you're, you're most of the time rewarding those farmers who have put the time and the effort in to grow really high quality coffee and are getting a, uh, a price that's substantially above market mm-hmm. so you're kind of like supporting the craftsman which is really nice yeah um, so a lot of my stories that like that stand out are a little bit darker about okay. like that that side, yes. the like less glamorous side. Well, it's, but it's yeah, exposing the truth. Yeah. yeah. So for <laughs> for example, there's this. Um, so coffee cooperatives buy coffee from like thousands of coffee uh, uh, small scale coffee producers in a, in a given region, <laughs> and oftentimes there's competition. There's like traders just rolling around in trucks like buying coffee from different got people. It, got it. So if you're a coffee farmer, you have the choice to sell to the cooperative, to sell to Trader X, Trader Y. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are like 
this is all totally unregulated. Yeah. It's not, like, a lot of these areas, are, there's no, like, police force. No. You, know, you can't call them well, 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 yeah, totally. yeah. Um, so there's this one, <laughs> so Where I'm, like, this? interviewing this in Peru. Okay. I'm interviewing this one group, and there'd been this, um, spike in the coffee price. Uh-huh. Peru... Basically, there's been in this area as close to Colombia, so a lot of coffee from Peru is actually being trucked into Colombia and then sold as Colombian coffee because you get this premium. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's a lot of competition for their coffee, and so I asked them, like, you know, how are you doing with with the competition? Like, are you having trouble getting coffee? And yeah. they need coffee to fulfill their contracts, right? They said they ship two containers of coffee to they Starbucks, and yeah. they have to find the coffee, right? Right. And they're like, no, we haven't had any trouble. I'm like, that's interesting because I know, like all of your competitors are having a lot of trouble. Yeah. Like, everybody in right. the Andean region of South America is having a lot of trouble yeah. with this right now. Like, what are you guys, how are you having no trouble? Yeah. And they're like, well, there was like a trader who showed up um, a couple weeks ago. We burned his truck. <laughs> we burned his truck? Yeah. No way. <laughs> Shit's getting real. Yeah, you know, it's like... <laughs> I mean, it's just like... Wow. It, so, that is not, you, you know... There are no pictures of burning trucks on the wall yeah. of, of a cafe. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's just, I mean, I think that's just kind of reflective of a little, yeah, the, it's, it's, just, it's just rough. It's, yeah. it's rough. And, it, and yeah. you know, well, being is... a farmer's tough. Yeah. Um, and really, this is the, I think the reason, like I do, I do think unique to the coffee industry and really unique to the specialty coffee industry, there is this opportunity to have a business that makes good money in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and is really having a positive social and environmental impact, like throughout the whole value chain. Yeah. Um, specialty coffee roasters, for the most part, pay well above market prices for coffee. Um, which raises, you know, improves livelihoods yep. um, of the, the, those farmers who can who can hit those quality markers. Um, and environmentally, you can't grow great coffee. You can't monocrop great coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you visit coffee farmers who are growing great coffee, they'll spend as much or more time talking about the other plants and um, animals and stuff happening you know, on their land yeah. as they will about the actual coffee trees because it's like the healthy ecosystem mm-hmm. is what leads to great coffee, but at least the great everything else around too. Yeah. Um, and you can see it. I mean, right now there's this big disease in Latin America called La Roya, which has been taking down all of these coffee trees. And you can mm-hmm. see, I mean, there'll be farms, like one farm next to another, one farm will have like 80% of its trees are just like bare, no leaves, Jesus. it's like all dying. Okay. Um, and then right next to it will be another farm and you can tell this like that farmer has been you know composting mm-hmm. and really doing a great job taking care of their land yep. and it's not something that you just decide to take care of your land for a year and all of a sudden you've got great soil it's mm-hmm. like you've been taking great care of your year land for 20 year. years yep. and you know they'll have like a 5-10% loss mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can barely kind of see and it and it's not just a coffee tree yeah it's everything it's everything it's because it's just this like fully healthy ecosystem and it can yep. handle diseases and a little bit more or less rain I mean it can really handle all of that because it has this really um, robust ecosystem and so you know I think that's a a unique opportunity Mm -hmm. to have like a successful business that sells 
a premium product that people like that also has really positive social and environmental impact yeah. is unique. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, it's, it's why we're doing this. I mean, I think um, right now we're because we're just retailing, we're not roasting, mm -hmm. we're like less connected to um, the production side yeah. of the industry. Um, but not, it won't be that way always. Gotcha. Well, that was, that was a great next question or segue. Um, you guys are doing retail now, and we're in Brooklyn Boulders, you're going over the seaport. Um, future plans and what you guys want to do on the horizon, is it is it getting into the roasting side or is it just opening up more um, call it more a more permanent space or something that feels more like a, a coffee shop I think it's it's definitely looking for more unique locations like cool Book and Boulders like the Innovation Design Center yeah. before we try to we don't have any immediate designs to build out a full full-fledged mm -hmm. coffee shop we're not I don't feel like if you know if half a million dollars hit our bank account magically tomorrow, we mm -hmm. would be like, oh, finally we get to open up a full-blown mm -hmm. cafe. Yep. Um, I know where you would open it is Central Square. You yeah, can't talk to... Is that, where, is that where you live? Is that your neighborhood? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think... I mean, so I do live right around the corner from Gold Town, which is great. That's my mm -hmm. favorite coffee yeah. shop to go to. Um, I... Yeah, so I, it, that's not necessarily like our ambition. I mean, it's not to say that we won't. Yeah, we won't do it. But um, I am really, you know, we are really interested in looking for more kind of like unique locations, like Brooklyn Bullers and the Innovation yeah. Design Center. Um, as far as roasting goes, it's an. Inc I think that's an incredibly competitive part of the mm -hmm. industry right now. I mean, we have people who come by and drop off free coffee from roasters from the Midwest or just looking for accounts. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, wow, you guys flew out yeah. here and you're just like right. driving around I'm giving trying to get coffee. Like, this is a crazy business. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like the craft beer and microbrew space. Yeah, Same thing. so competitive. Yep. Um, so def we would definitely not plan on getting into the roasting business and turn into a wholesaler. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's an incredibly competitive space and I wouldn't even know where to start yeah. and how to like get clients there. Um, one partnership we are working on is uh, a partnership with Grace Note yeah. Coffee, you know? Yeah. So we're going to be using their coffee at the Innovation Design Center, actually. Okay. Um, cool. And because it's a smaller local company, and we've spent a lot of time talking to Patrick, who yep. owned and started that company. Um, and they're doing that space in the uh, leather district. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cool. So we, we, you know, Patrick is much more open to us kind of getting involved on the sourcing side. Cool. As long as we both have sign-up on the coffee, mm -hmm. but that we could kind of source some coffee, nice. you know, develop the roast profile together, and then yeah. we could sell coffee that is Grace Note coffee, but was like sourced by Triangle, and really yeah. start to connect the origin it's a cool that collaboration. way. cool yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so depending on where that kind of collaboration mm -hmm. goes, that may kind of keep us from, you know, if we get to have that connection to origin without having to yeah. start roasting our own coffee, I think yeah. That's, yeah. that's ideal. It's good middle and middle. then we get to support Patrick and Grace Note, and we love this coffee. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's really like, you know, we're definitely, we're, it's really right now the focus is looking for more locations like mm -hmm. this in the, in the Innovation Design Center. I mean, at some point, we will definitely, we're, we're going to be cooking out of uh, Stockpot Malden, the commissary kitchen, and I think it, at some point, we'll need our own, like, 
basically like if you think of these as spokes, we'll need mm -hmm. like our hub. Yeah. Where we have like storage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a commercial kitchen. Right. And right. that will kind of, when we get to that point, we'll then have to make the decision like, is that hub, is it like a full blown cafe with all that stuff in the back? Yeah. Is it kind of like off the beaten path and we just like do events yep. at that space? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. Got it. Um, does it have a roaster in it? Uh, yeah. What's your uh, What's your daily uh, coffee routine? Like, what do you? What's What's your go-to drink? Well, at home, you know, do you have, do you make something at home, and then you have stuff here? Like, are you um, sucking down coffee all? all I drink a lot the day? of coffee these days. What, what um, do we have? At home, I definitely do AeroPress. You make AeroPress just for convenience and yeah. I guess I had an AeroPress this morning, a okay. shot, and a couple ounces of the coffee that I made. No, this won't be the last. No. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, when, when we're working, like, you're kind of constantly trying the coffee yeah. just to make sure that it's, it's on point. Yep. Um, actually, that's one thing that's been interesting is when you're working, you actually never try your own drinks the way that customers have them. It's like, I, we have to make a conscious effort to do that. Hmm. Because like, Wait, describe I won't make myself a full Nola, I'll mix like a little bit yeah. in a cup to make sure that it tastes good and mm -hmm. then, and you know, it'll go like like a while where I like, you know, we will like sample the shots and I'll pour a little steamed milk in like the cup that I use to try yeah. it that's the different shape and size so I don't actually accidentally serve somebody with, yeah. so you're, okay. cause you're always kind of, you know, it's like imagine if you're working in a kitchen at a restaurant, yeah. you don't, you don't make yourself the full plate no. and then sit down no, and have a bite. You like pull a little bit of yeah, exactly. yeah. But then Got you it. don't actually like experience it the same way that your customer does. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I don't know how like I mean we, we do. We have make a conscious effort to like put the lid on and try to drink the drink with the lid yeah. on and see how that works. Yeah. So that's how most people drink it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um anyway, so yeah, so the routine is like I usually do AeroPress at home okay. and then um here it's kind of just like Constantly sampling without yeah. actually ever having like a full, a full, yeah, full drink. Got it. Um, and then, uh, so like, where are your favorite uh, coffee shops in town? And just so you said you live close to Dwell Time. Yeah, I love Dwell Time. Um, you know, before this is your hang, this is your coffee hangout now. But before yeah. Triangle, before Triangle is definitely Dwell Time. Okay. Um, since opening Triangle, now I actually do spend. When when I'm not working here, I'll go to like I'm trying to try all the cafes. Yeah. Time, so I kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Um, Seven Pond. Have you been to Seven Pond? I have. In Jamaica Plain, it's so good. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So it's the guy. The serve? owner has two. There's Cafe Feeks and Seven Pond Espresso. Okay. I need to get down. They serve Barrington. Cool. Um, and it's just really it's a small shop, really clean design. Cool. Um, and they newer espresso. It's newer. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, I think that's like Seven Pond is the best experience I've had in like a cafe, a new cafe in Boston wow. in a while. It's great. You're saying the whole experience from the actual coffee to the yeah shop design and everything. No, it was like a okay. cool guy behind one guy yeah. behind the bar, like jazz nice. on the radio and okay. I gotta get down know, there. Yeah, it was cool. I really like this it. is why I'm talking to people. Yeah. So I can <laughs> find the news book. Um, um, as far as like like the Tate in Kendall Square, I think it's yeah. just. Mm -hmm. Is great. I went there on a Saturday morning and it was like packed and there's just like pastry and bread and everything. It smells just, like, amazing. Stacked up. It smells amazing. And yeah. Had, uh, like a yogurt thing that was just was amazing. It had yeah. So good. <laughs> uh, How about uh, 
I like the new uh, Forge over uh, speed yeah. right here. Yeah. Yeah. You do good stuff. Definitely. Definitely. It's a beautiful space. Too. It is. It's very beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, for someone that hasn't, you know, this is, this is blue bottle is like really famous drink. Someone that hasn't had it, like, how would you describe it, or what would be your recommendation? Why they, why they have to give it a try? Usually, I mean, usually I recommend it as it's one of our most popular drinks. Or um, so we a lot of times people will ask for like iced lattes, or and and you're like no, and it's like well, like if you're gonna go with an ice drink with dairy, like. I absolutely recommend the New Orleans style iced coffee. Um, we describe how we make it. I mean, one of the ways that I'll describe it is that it's like, it's almost like, like so the concentrate we make, we use more coffee than a traditional cold brew and roast chicory, so it's very kind of, it's very strong. Yep. It's a little bitter, like a little astringent on its own. Um, and then when you add the milk and sugar, it's kind of like, uh, I think it's analogous to like making chocolate. Mm -hmm. Where like raw cocoa yeah. is like not that great. Right, yeah. right. Um, but you add, I mean, you even like, you know, mm -hmm. the slightest bit of milk and sugar and it starts, you start to really taste that like rich chocolatey flavor yeah. that you like. Um, and so it's kind of the same, yeah. kind of the same thing. Um, and it even has a chocolatey flavor, even though there's no chocolate in it. Yeah. So you're just saying the mix of all the, all the ingredients and flavors. Yeah, I mean, I think like, yeah. that, like, balancing of, like, a bitter, a, a, a slightly bitter, or really bitter is the wrong word, but, like, acidic, astringent, mm -hmm. concentrate, plus milk and sugar, I think, like, I mean, the, I find the Nola tastes chocolatey and there's no chocolate in it. Yeah. I think it's it's literally that kind of balance between yeah. those flavors, the, the acidity and the, and the milk and sugar that makes, yeah. that makes it taste the way it does. Um, yeah, I just, I Sometimes I think people don't really understand that it's like it's like a cocktail. Kind of needs mm -hmm. all the components to be good. Yep. It's a yeah. So I say yeah. it's a concentrate that we steep with roasted chicory and acid and serving milk. So it's like milky. It's already sweet. Mm -hmm. Chicory is kind of hard to describe in a positive way. I think right. to people like sometimes I think I'm doing a poor job of it where, like it's like a spice and then for like, I don't peppery, want spice people have yeah. like really weird oh really like that. yeah I, I like I, your explanation with the slightly peppery flavor I don't know yeah I just think it's hard it's hard to, to it's hard to articulate uh -huh. accurately in a way what that tastes like but it is peppery but it's pleasant yeah. you know but um I like telling the Civil War story uh, you, you've heard that I've heard yeah, yeah I've heard it in mind yeah What's that? I mean, it's called New Orleans, so they make chicory coffee in New Orleans. Yeah. And really across the South, but New Orleans is one of the areas where they really still do it. Um, and they make chicory coffee in the South because during the Civil War, the North had a more powerful navy, shut down all the ports in the South, and the South couldn't get coffee. Oh. Okay. So they tried to figure out other ways to make like a morning beverage. And so they, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, when like the when fighting would stop, there'd be this big trade across the battle lines for coffee and cigarettes. Oh, my, yeah? my roommate is like super into the Civil War, so when we started okay. serving this drink, he was like, "Oh, you need to know." All this. Um, so you try and tell that that's that like some yeah if someone wandering around, around engage, and yeah got then it. you go. Not everybody gets that. Story. Not a, no, yeah. definitely not. <laughs> nice. Um, and then yeah, one of the last question: How did um, how did the name? the name Triangle Coffee come to be and, you know, the, the logo as well. I mean, it's it's a reference to the mountains. Yeah, okay. Um, where coffee's grow. Yeah, got it. Um, 
the real seed for the idea, which is this is also not when somebody like comes up without a lot of time to explain the logo, <laughs> um, is actually so the way, the way that Root Capital, fin- the, the traditional financing model that Root Capital has is they loan money to a coffee cooperative. Okay. That coffee cooperative takes the money, buys a whole bunch of coffee, yep. processes, packs, and ships to a buyer, like say Green Mountain Coffee. Yep. Green Mountain Coffee receives. The, the coffee, and then instead of paying the cooperative for it, they send the money to Root Capital. Root Green Capital, Mountain sends it to yeah. Root. Okay. Root Capital takes out the the principal, the interest, yep. the fees, and then sends the rest of the money back to the cooperative. cooperative. So wow. like a triangular payment model. So okay. triangles were on Ben in my mind when yeah. we were kind of coming up with the okay. idea. So. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're still, I mean, Ben still works at Root, and yeah. I've still kind of passionate about root work. We're very connected to what, what they're doing. Um, there's also three of us. There's three of us. There you go. Yeah. That's part of it, too. What is your answer when somebody says, so which one of you is the two triangle? I think I, like, make it really scary face. I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I'm not a tiz. People walk by with, like, a weird <laughs> limp. <laughs> Waving your cane at him. <laughs> oh man. No, I'm not I don't know, what do you say for that one? I say like, all sorts of different table. things. Still <laughs> No, I like that. I like the obtuse one in there. No, I mean I, you know, the mountains are regular, so I I guess Alvaro had an explanation which I like, which is he's like, you know, it's it's like two parts like science, like one part art and like yeah. Funky, yeah, that's cool. That's what I. You guys are adding all these little mini narratives to it, and I think like ninety percent of the time, that's what I say. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a great one. And like we measure every, like we weigh everything. We weigh how much coffee, um, like espresso grinds we use. We weigh how the the yield, like how much of the Mm -hmm. the shot we get. So we're doing eighteen grams of coffee, a twenty-seven gram whole. You know, when we when we make the Chemex, we're weighing the amount of coffee we use, the amount of water. Same thing when we make the note. So it's all, you know, there is kind of an, ele- an element of kind of yeah. precision. And yeah. Everything's precise unless it's not. <laughs> yeah, but but then you still have to, like, the, so the thing that we adjust every day is the grind setting. Yeah. And you still have to, like, you know, every morning figure out what you think tastes good mm-hmm. and then make adjustments to make it taste that way. And there's no, like, you can't say, like, oh, this is nine on a one to ten scale and yep. just always serve the nine you're kind of like well always you know, the aged a little bit like it's you know there's a lot of variables that are changing. you just kind of have to figure out what tastes good mm-hmm. so there's only so much you can do with like well, you sample all the time yeah exactly yeah. 